Hey everyone, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I am pro wrestling historian Timothy Styles, and with me is pro wrestler Cutthroat Cody Hancock. Yeah, buddy. How are you, my friend? I am well. Uh, I had my uh, my second my second witch doctor visit today. Oh um, yeah, and- <laughs> I forgot you went to, <laughs> you went to a chiropractor. Yep, and uh, a massage therapist as well. And uh, she worked out a gigantic knot in my uh, left tricep, so. <laughs> I'm tender, sore, I'm burnt from the tanning bed and razor burnt from shaving my body. Uh, I've got my meal prepped for this big weekend that's happening. And aside from that, life is good. You know, I actually have only had one massage that I've paid for. Actually, I didn't pay for it, but it's the kind that you pay for. You know, it was when I was in Antigua, we had some credit for a thing that got canceled. So I was like, well, what do you want to do with it? And my wife just signed me up for... uh, a uh, massage. Yeah. How'd you feel about it? Well, it got weird in the end when I threw her 20 bucks and gave her a wink. <laughs> of course, but of course, <laughs> what, what was it? The happy ending massage or was it just like a normal massage? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Of course. You know what it was? was <laughs> I, I ended up getting a, a mild sunburn the first couple oh, of days of the beach. Shit. And, uh, um, there was like some sort of sunburn package. And when I went in there, she was like, you're not that bad. I was like, that's what I was telling my wife. And then, so I just got a normal one. It was fine. There you go. Well, folks, if you enjoy the show, I do encourage you to support it in one of three ways. One would be by going to turnbuckleboogie.com and clicking on the gimmick table. There you'll find a link to buy t-shirts and hoodies and uh hey perhaps a hoodie you know winter's coming to an end soon you're like i don't need one of these but you do need something to cover them nips get a t-shirt. absolutely it's another, cold outside another way to support would be by following us on instagram at turnbuckle boogie and the third possible way if, to show your love and support not by but hearing ads or sponsors i uh, made a conscious decision to leave those out because i'm a pretentious artist uh, instead, you can write a review for us on your podcast platform of choice. What do you think, Cody? That was a pretty good intro this time. I think it was a pretty good intro. I think that, if anything, we should probably just shut up and... Boogie! know why you always say shut up and boogie it's just let's boogie yeah well i don't know i just like i'm trying to give you the layup but you're you're the you're the pilot sir you know this is our show collectively it's not my show i might own the recording equipment i guess but uh, and you put all the editing in and you, you 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 handle the business sir i guess you're, yeah, you're, but who would listen if it were just me? Well, and I mean, who would listen if it were just me? I I have not I, reached that level of fame yet. <laughs> well, I can tell you that we are listened to around the world and listened to by hundreds of people each and every week. And now hundreds, of course, doesn't sound like a lot compared to some other podcasts that are hosted by uh, fucking celebrities. But uh, hey, for a couple of no good nicks, 
not yeah. too shabby of a start. And it only goes up each and every week. And it's mostly because of uh, your rising star power. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny because I, after that match that I had with Alexander Hammerstone, um, Hammerstone and I both clipped a lot from that match to put on social media because it was a good match and yeah. it can serve well for a highlight reel for anybody. And the amount of people that just had these snarky comments for Hammerstone because he gave me a burning hammer, but he didn't drop me on my head with the burning hammer. He guided me over and I took a very, very big old face bump and the people on Instagram and Twitter were like, that's not really a burning hammer. It's more of a sissified AA. And I was like, man, I'm so, I, it, it, it sucks because Hammerstone's so good. And there's just so many detractors that he has just because he's because of his rising fame. He is really good. Um, but, you know, for a guy, his size, which is, Pretty big. What do you think he weighs? Two five. He's two sixty five right now. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, he's got muscles on his muscles. So uh, to be doing the moves that he does and the innovation that he does, you know, there's stuff that yes. he's done where it's like, well, I've never seen that before. And you know, he's not one of these sort of uh, diehard fans who's become a wrestling from the outside looking in. I'm sure that's probably the case, but. You know, he's not posting videos of uh, uh, Mitsuharo Masawa all day. You know, he's just posting video of him dicking around with guitars and stuff. Well, he doesn't have to post any footage of Masawa because he's actually wrestled in Noah. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, Masawa passed away. But no, Hammerstone actually had some pretty humble beginnings, man. And he was originally trained Lucha, which is probably where his concept of body control in Arizona. Oh, I see. This is all yes. making more sense. Because, yeah, I mean, he does a lot of stuff that's very Lucha-centric, but done by a big guy, but in a way that seems realistic for what he's doing. Let's face it, there's a lot of um, guys that are big who think, oh, I'll just do all this stuff. But it's like, why would you bother doing that? With him, it seems like a lot of the sort of moving around people's bodies and stuff, it it, it it looks right. I guess I'm eloquating this terribly, but no, you're, you're getting to the point. And that's the thing is, is that I think that, you know, he also like, he'll post pictures from when he was a kid in high school and he was just this skinny, lanky, like stoner looking kid that played drums. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knew that when he got into wrestling, that, he looked at the people that had these physiques and figured if I look like that, I have a shot and lo behold, you know, and I really do think it's only a matter of time before Hammerstone gets more, but for right now, he's, uh, he really deserves some more credit, man. So stop being mean to Hammerstone. Yeah, and uh, perhaps, and this is a message for you, uh, stop reading these stupid comments online. I, you know, I have to say, this shows you the the uh, lack of education in the history of professional wrestling when you hear these comments like what you were saying. That's not a bleeding hammer. That's, right. a, yep. 
or a burning hammer, you hammer, need a bleeding yeah. hammer. Yes. That's not a burning hammer. That's more of a, a weak looking attitude adjustment. Um, yes. As far as I recall, and I'm pretty right on this, uh, the burning hammer has been done seven times. And I can't tell you that it was done the same way three times in a row. Right. All seven times looked absolutely different. You know, the first one looked, <laughs> the first one looked like yeah. he killed Masawa with it. Uh, yep. The second one, a little bit more the same. After that, I think he started uh, hooking a leg. You know, it, it changed uh, the body positioning and how the guy landed. I mean, the first one, I mean, he basically landed dead on the top of his head. I'm yeah. surprised he didn't die then and there. Well, and that's something that we've talked about before in the Masawa episode. If anybody wants to go back and retroactively listen to that, um, you know, I love strong style. But there's a reason why Masawa died in the wrestling ring. And it was because of all these crazy ass neck bumps that he took throughout his career. And that's something that I think that the message needs to be there. I love King's Road style. I love hard hitting, like head drops are sensational sometimes and things like that. But I'm somebody who wants to do this as long as I possibly can, you know, and I would hate to have my in my career cut short or possibly have my life end because of an injury uh, of that severity, you know, right. like it's, it's something that I think should be talked about and it's okay to not drop people on their heads. Right. I mean, look, pro wrestling is supposed to resemble a sport and, you know, let's face it as generations have gone on, it's, be, it's, it, uh, once again, to use the cliche from outside of the box looking in or from the outside looking in, uh, it's looked faker and faker as we've gone along. Unfortunately. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's just the way that it is. So then there's obviously in Japan, it's taken a lot more seriously. And I mean, they're blasting each other with everything that they had and, but the dropping each other on their necks and their heads and stuff, I can't tell you one sport combat or otherwise where even that would be allowed. You know what right. I mean? So what I'm getting at is you can have a, a company, a federation, <coughs> a territory, whatever, have hard hitting, legit, you know, like, holy smokes, it looks like they're shooting out there matches without literally killing each other. You know, you could just deal with the bumps, bruises, sore bones and muscles, etc. cetera. Um, it is possible. The problem is, is that the the uh, the independent nature or the independent contractor nature of every talent. You can have a guy like uh, Orange Cassidy and um, Danhausen, um, where it's just kind of a big joke, which is okay. It has its place. Or you can have, you know, Cactus Jack and and uh, other people who get a bit more um, dangerous. Yes. So it's, it's it's really just hard to control unless you're a person in charge calling the shots. Then it's really just about your booking. Absolutely. And that's something for me, you know, I, uh, I've prided myself on learning how to do all of it. You know, like I, when I wrestled in Tennessee, I was a chicken shit heel and I did a bunch of hokey, hokey shit. And the crowd ate it up. You know, when I wrestled Nick Gage, I knew full well that I would be, covering blood with him and AJ gray, 
you know, like I knew that that's what was going to happen when I wrestled, uh, the unguided, uh, I knew that I was going to have to probably do a flippy do, you know, I, and I pride myself on being able to do every, uh, style that is available to consume. Sure. Um, but safety for myself and also for the people that I am sharing a ring with and my students is a top priority. So like I, like I said, I, I don't spend too much time on the internet, but that was just one thing that I saw. And I find it more laughable than anything. Mm-hmm. And me and Hammerstone have definitely been cracking jokes about it. Like it's, it's kind of funny. Right. Well, I mean, safety is obviously important. You can't put, let's, you know, if you have long programs scheduled for some of your talent and one of them goes out with an injury that could have been prevented by maybe slowing down and measuring a little bit, um, you know, this needs to be addressed. Uh, so as we're recording this, it's uh, Wednesday night and I, ju- and you and I both, I'm sure just finished watching AEW uh, dynamite. Correct. And there, I mean, they're at the the top level and, you know, there's still some sloppy stuff going on. It's, it's, a little alarming that that can be considered the top level with that um, that bit of neglect out there, but I don't know. Well, what what, what did you see tonight that like kind of stood out to you? Uh, well, you know, one of the things was the very end. Well, I'll just say because it was the last thing, it's the thing I remember, and it's Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy in this lights out, you know, street fight at a at a at the end of the match. Um, uh, they're up on a, uh, platform and, uh, who is that? Orange Cassidy basically, uh, goes off the side of it with, uh, Adam Cole in tow. And I don't think he launched him in what I would consider a safe way. They showed the replays and Adam Cole was upside down and heading like a lawn dart. Now, of course they landed through that brittle brittle particle board like very thin slices of it into a crash pad uh which you know you you're supposed to act like isn't there right <laughs> but uh, i'll give some forgiveness you know nobody jumped up and started jumping on it like a mattress or something but nobody it, nobody needs to go to concrete on that one you no, know like they, they certainly don't but i mean even still heading down head first even if it's a foam uh, bad things can happen. Should have took an extra second to go, hey, here we go, one, two, three, you know, out the side of your mouth. Um, you know, it, little things like that. Well, I say little things. That's not a little thing at all. They must have been, what do you think, 10 feet in the air? Yeah, I would have to rewatch the bump because I, I didn't see it as, I, I wish that he would have hooked a move Instead right. of the hug, because it probably would have made the bump a little bit cleaner. But, you know, because Orange Cassidy has to get a shtick in, um, which works for him. And it, I would have, like I said, I have to rewatch it. I didn't think that that was too It doesn't too look bad. like it. It doesn't look like it's that bad until they yeah. showed the replays and some of the slow-mo stuff. And I literally went, holy shit, I hope he's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, cause he I'm, basically let, he, he rotated like a Sayoto suplex. Yes. You know it, what I mean? It, on, it, on the business end of it. 
which and and if he would have been able to hook a Saito, or if he would have been able to hook a a Uranagi, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if he would have just had his arm clutched around the head, uh, I think that it would have been an easier guide down. I just think that it's really, it was really an awkward uh, setup, but it, the match was entertaining. Like once again, you're talking about Dan Housen. Like I, I had a very good chuckle at Dan Housen's appearance. Me too. I'm glad he's there. I mean, it's no surprise. He, he was just too popular for the level that he was at. So it was a natural progression for him to come up to the next level. Now where he goes from, from, you know, cause he had his leg essentially snapped in two months ago. Yes. Um, so whenever he does return to action, you know, who knows where he can go from where he's at now. But, um, yeah, it's great to see him there. You know, he makes sense there. Yes, he definitely makes sense there. And that's the, uh, I think the only thing, uh, there was actually some good stuff that went on tonight on that episode. They Um, opened with a ladder match, uh, for the strange interim championship. Hold on. Let me give this context. I think it's Cody Rhodes has the what's the name of the championship the tnt championship yes yes and uh uh i think he's off the show for one week for something so it's declared that we don't have a champion we're going to have an interim championship so the person who cody won it from sammy guevara the spanish god wins it and then the next week (laughs) cody returns like yes we needed an interim champion for two weeks well, and I, I think that maybe they just really want to try to recreate that moment between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels with the dual IC belts. I suppose maybe. they did, but they, you gotta yeah. you gotta drag those out a little bit. You can't have an interim champion but, uh, but, for but, a span of fourteen days. <laughs> Cody stays busy. Like maybe it's a Cody thing. Yeah, I stay busy. Cody stays busy. You know, uh, we watched a little bit of that game show that he's on right now. Mm, um, the, the go big show, go big show. Ouch my, uh, ouch, ouch my balls my have balls. talent. <laughs> Sandman, for all the trauma and misery I've caused you, I know you want to tear me apart. I know you want to rip me open, but beware. There are things inside me without remorse without compassion things that are dead things that can hurt you things that can scar you for now and forever high school must have seemed like forever for you stevie richards i know it did for me being a misfit being shunned I know kids like you, Stevie. No friends, no family, no nothing. Nothing except the constant and gnawing agony of the realization that no one likes you. How does it feel to be voted most unpopular, to not be invited to parties? I know what that feels like, Stevie Richards. But I'm not worried about you. Because Stevie Richards, I never needed anyone to take me out of that mess. You needed me. All I had was my physical and mental powers and the lack of remorse to use both. 
No, Stevie Richards, you won't be a factor. You won't make it through the three-way dance. You'll never get a shot of me. So I'm gonna go on to Terry Funk. Wrestling is a sport for young, virile men. Not sickly old fools. You see, there's a parable about a man walking in the desert and God says to him, I'll always be by your side. I will always be by your side. And as the man walks through the desert and gets weaker and weaker and finally, when he thinks he's at his lowest point, he notices that there's only one set of footprints, not two. And with whatever intestinal fortitude, whatever heart, whatever he has that he can muster, he makes it through that desert. And when he gets there, he says, God, God, why did you desert me? You promised me you'd always be with me. And God says, when there was only one set of footprints, that was me carrying you. Well, on April 13th, Terry Funk, God will not be in the ring. I will be the one carrying you, Terry Funk. I will enable you to make it through the match. I will enable you to be in one of the greatest matches in recorded history. I will enable you to almost taste victory before I take that away from you, Terry Funk. Before I take that away from you. At some point in the match, you're gonna realize this yourself. You'll realize that you can't beat me, that you can't defeat me, and that all it is is me tormenting you, torturing you, humiliating you. And at some point, as you lay there beaten, battered, bruised, and bleeding, and praying for divine intervention to end your miserable life, to give you an honorable death in combat. I will carry you, Terry Funk. I will carry you to the end of the match in the ugly, bitter pill of defeat. And I'll look in your eyes then, Terry Funk, and I'll see the eyes of a broken man. And that's when I'll see the eyes of my father. I'll see every hope, dream, an aspiration he ever had come crumbling down around him, which led to every beating I ever took. And his last hope, his last dream, was that I would be a failure like him. So Terry Funk, when I end your quest for the Holy Grail, when I nullify everything you've ever done by defeating you in that ring. I hurt my father. <laughs> when I end your triumphant comeback, I hurt my father. When I deprive the fans of the majesty of seeing their legends rail, I again, I hurt my father. And as I forced Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon to admit to themselves, as well as the world that I am the single greatest wrestler on the planet. I hurt my father. You see, I never knew the rules. Hung down with the freaks and ghouls. And I feel down home 
in a land of a thousand guilt. And I don't even care, as restless as I am. And I don't even know just where my bones will rest. To dust, I guess, forgotten and absorbed to the earth below. The world title heats the urgency around. Can't you see besides Raven? There's no one else around. Quote my father's son, nevermore. It's America's Got Talent combined with Ouch My Balls. It's Ouch My Balls Have Talent. Like that's that should be the name of the show. Every time I see the promos, I just go, guess what I'm never going to watch? Because... Uh, <laughs> They're all like just musical stings and it, and it, and it, it's like a smash cut to one of the quote unquote judges or they're really just commentators. They're not judging anything, but right. it cuts to one of them going, Whoa, <laughs> Oh my God. They just, they don't an all new go big show. Whoa. Somebody <laughs> does something exciting. Judas priest. Yes. It, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's ouch. My balls got talent. Like that, maybe but that's the, the way to say it. But that ladder match that they had, first of all, these ladders they got are uh 10 feet high. Uh, yes, and uh, man, they took some you know, for a, a show on television and not a pay per view, they took some pretty uh crazy shit that you know you don't see every day. Well, I that, think it that, is, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, I believe there was a, uh, a soup, uh, just a straight northern suplex from the top of the ladder. Uh, and when you're up there, I was seriously worried, like, holy crap, he's going to land out of the rig. Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, he went through, uh, you know, he hit the, the mat, but they hit with such impact because they were so high that they bounced. Yep. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, oh, he gave him a cutter. Mm-hmm. From the top, and same thing, bounce because they hit no, with not, such. Not just give him a cutter from the top. He basically did a springboard right. from the turnbuckle on top of the ladder, and then hit the cutter. It was right. the, the the match was spectacular. And uh, here's the thing, uh, you know, all this talk about um, taking measurements. Both of those things that I just described were hit absolutely cleanly. They landed like planks, just flat. Boom. You know, yep. there was no weird landings or anything like that. Um, it's a testament to their, uh, perhaps their skill level. And and that's the thing too, is that Sammy Guevara to me, and that really like stood out as being somebody, I even have my own criticisms of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes can fucking work. And yet no matter what anybody wants to say about how they feel about him personally or the decisions that he makes as an executive or whatever it is, man, like the dude is an absolute professional. And I want to comment on you talking about they, it's not just the ladder match, right? Mm -hmm. It's anytime Brian Danielson is pulling our long broadways it's anytime CM Punk has a match on TV. It seems like AEW is Costco and they have no problem if you want an extra free sample because eventually they just want you to buy the product, right? right. And I, I think that 
in the beginning when I saw them doing that, because that was something that uh, TNA would do. You know, Abyss would end up wrestling a match on television that's not even paid for TV that has like thumbtacks and ladders and barbed wire. And like there, you think that you would save that for the pay-per-view, but for some reason, even though TNA was not successful in following that formula, I feel like AEW is. Well, it, I'll tell you why. Uh, no one gave a shit about TNA, myself included. Uh, first of all, it was called TNA. And upon its inception, it was made up with everyone who was uh, in the graveyard of w- WCW. And WCW at the end was absolutely the shits. I mean, there's yeah. no nice way to put it. It was terrible. So to see TNA pop up with um, Vince Russo back in house um, with a parade of uh, sort of um, respectfully burnouts and people who weren't really over, you know, it, it and it was the same old stuff. Let's be real. It was old school uh, uh, Memphis, not Memphis. Yeah, Memphis booking because the Jarrett's. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 same but old, it, same old dragon by the dick booking. It had the it had the stench of Russo on it for a pretty long period of time as well. And but I do think that there was some things that came out of TNA that a lot of people did not give a chance to. And like Kurt Angle's run in TNA was pretty impressive. Show was Christian Cage. Uh, the entire X division. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, you know, like you could name a bunch of these people that they did actually make some exciting things. And TNA also was able to facilitate some really good working relationships with companies like New Japan and AAA. And it's a shame because it was before these companies were um, being viewed by as many people as they're being viewed by now in the United States. But Okada had wrestled there. Sonata had wrestled there. Liger had wrestled there. You know, like some really big names ended up doing a couple shots in TNA. It's actually, I didn't watch it as it was happening, but I'm recto, I'm retroactively going back and watching it. And a lot mm-hmm. of it's incredible. Oh yeah, absolutely. They had great talent. The problem is the presentation. Yes. Okay, the 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 commentators weren't uh, what I would consider world class at all times. Yep. Um, the the booking was same old leftover territory booking of hey, we got another schmoz. You know what are yep. we to do? Check us out on the pay per view. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and. It, it was the same sort of segments that you've seen in the WWE for how many decades? And we already have that and it's done much, much better. Uh, so it's, it's hard to turn your, or maybe a lot of people were like me who were like, all right, well, let's give this new company a chance. And they turned it on and they watched it and went, this looks like low budget uh, WWE and also there were just a bunch of all the people who basically were fired from WWE for drug or alcohol problems were uh, parading on there. They're, you know, Kurt Angle's fantastic. Everyone likes Jeff Hardy, but look, they, um, they've got their issues. 
uh, those all those sort of characters sort of add up and it just looks at a certain point like the WWE graveyard. And yeah. I think it, it plagued him for a, a lot of time. And, you know, I've said it before on this show that the last I gave them several opportunities for uh, uh, a first impression. Yeah. And every time I couldn't make it through their television show. I couldn't even tell you how long it is. It could be one right. hour, it could be two, but I've never made it to the end of one because there were some, all the corny, old carny elements of professional wrestling really stood out with them. They have great talent. There's no question. But if great talent are on a product that looks stupid, um, I ain't watching now. Right. Go ahead and write that down and mail it to Vince McMahon. <laughs> absolutely hello turnbuckle boogies this is james madden i'm stuck in a goddamn hotel room in grand rapids that's right i want to thank you mother nature mother nature came out number 30 in the royal rumble that is life my friends and my flight is delayed so as I'm recording this, I am watching the AFC Championship game where maybe you just heard Jim Nance go banana over a play, which is what I want to talk about. I've quit watching SmackDown. I don't watch the WWE. It's been poisoning my ears and eyeballs for years. But in the green room last night, I watched the Royal Rumble Held it up for a bunch of people who claim they don't even watch fucking wrestling anymore. I quit watching that in 99. Hey, can you keep that on? Hey, uh, don't go on stage yet. I want to see this. And the best fucking part is Pat McAfee. All I've been hearing is how great of an announcer he is. That son of a bitch jumps up and down and isn't corny. And I love him. They, Pat McAfee is the goddamn new John Madden of all sports. And he's a national treasure. If they could only make the product match how good he fucking is. Then AEW be out of business. GCW be out of business. Anything with a W be out of business. The WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, will be out of business. Anything with a W be out. If they were half as good as what he does. God bless you, Pat McAfee. A fucking punter, huh? Shove that up your ass, position players. A fucking football punter is the greatest wrestling announcer since Jesse the goddamn body Ventura. Also, I hope he wears a mask on his foot as a big F you to Excalibur. Just wear a lucha mask on your foot while you're dancing to Nakamura's goddamn song. Even Last thing, he's even making Michael Cole listenable been 20 fucking years since that's been possible. Pat McAfee, motherfucking punter. What up, baby? All right, I'll talk to you later. Turnbuckle boogies. Hey, you know, you brought up uh, a little bit ago the Saido, or I guess I brought it up, the Saido suplex. And um, somebody who's a practitioner of that is uh, Killer Cross. Yes, sir. Who you're clearly familiar with what would you say your guys's relationship is if anything 
Um, we're accountability buddies, man. Uh, we share videos of uh, Jeff Goldblum noises. Uh, we're not going to do we, that bit again yeah. on this episode. Yeah. We, did, did you have we, any hand in any of his training? Um, I, yeah. Like I, the very first day that he showed up to future stars of wrestling, I was one of the very first people that he saw. Right. Um, I was the first person to actually take this Saito suplex from Carrion or killer or Kevin. And it, it was Kevin at the time that I knew him. And we were, we spent a lot of time with each other uh, in his early development. And we had a friendship based on mutual respect of things in the industry that we were fond of. And uh, he's coming back to town. Uh, so the very first independent date that he has is going to be at uh, FSW Presents The Mecca. And that is going to be February 4th at the good old Silver Nugget, which is a homecoming for us because that was one of the first casinos that we ran as a company. And it's also because we lost Diversions because they did bad business. Really? Yeah. So Diversions had uh, us booked for that show. And Joe had went about buying flights and everything. He's getting things set up. The Mecca is Joe DeFalco's super card. Mm. And like Liger was on one of these shows. You feel what I'm saying? So um that was a great opportunity but it turned into a situation of they got they contacted joe diversion amusements and said hey um is there any way that we can move your date because there's this dude that wants to give us more money than you to run at the exact same time that you have the room booked and joe was like no i can't move the date we've already sold hundreds of dollars worth of pre-orders on tickets Mm-hmm. Uh, the you first run, flights, all the things are going. Yeah, through. yeah. There's, there's no way, you know. And then but that like, relationship, okay. that relationship just flat out didn't last. <laughs> yeah, and and they and and they they said, okay, well, you know, we appreciate you letting us know. And then they called them back like three days later and was like, hey, sorry, we got to go with the money. Um, do I you wonder, still want to work with us in the future. <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder what the show that they or whatever this thing they're doing at this uh, this it, venue it, instead. I think it is like some Filipino music festival, oh, and yeah. there's there's only two uh, acts on the bill. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you, it is very hard um, to compete with cultural musical uh, affairs. Oh, absolutely. Those, those things fucking draw. And also uh, heavy metal uh, festivals as well. They draw, buddy. I mean, yep. every time there's like some sort of ranchero blowout, like you're going to see a bunch of Mexican bands. I mean, this thing will draw uh, thousands. There'll be people hanging around outside. Well, you know, meanwhile, what? any indie band I ever had had uh, trouble trying to fill a house. Actually, it, it's not true, but you it's know. funny that you mentioned that because before I actually had started training, there was a, a Spanish music festival for Cinco de Mayo, like a Mexicano festival. And there was a bunch of people on the bill, but there was one person that was like a big star. His name, I believe, was Lu- 
Lupe Riviera or Lupe mm-hmm. R- something. Um, but then they also had Lucha Libre. And Ooh. the main yeah, the main event was Eliel Del Santo versus Blue Damon Jr. So we and me and my friends, we went to the Thomas and Mac and we're like, hey, you know, like what's the entry? And they're like, well, the front row was like, we were way locked out of the front row. They wanted over a hundred dollars for front row. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just like, who's gonna buy a ticket to this anyway? And like, okay, whatever. So we took the nosebleeds for like 25 or 2750. And this major act no-showed, and they packed the place, right? Oh, wow. So what happened after this dude no-showed is damn near everyone left. And the only people that stuck around for wrestling... The two white guys? Was, it, 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 well, it, my friend Sam is very much Mexican. Oh. And, and he was, he's always served as an excellent translator to me whenever it comes to anything Lucha Libre, including the horror movies. And uh, we also had my friend Domingo there. There was only about 45, maybe 50 people that stayed for the wrestling. And Thomas and Mac. And Thomas and Mac. And they, wow. let, every, they let everybody just rush down. Just to give context for the people who are listening, uh, uh, picture that building that CM Punk gave his pipe bomb in, that big room. Now imagine 45 people in it. <laughs> That's basically empty. Yep. Um, you know, I saw a Lucha Libre show, I believe there, um, it, uh, but I had the fancy pants seats. It was a good time. Anyway, yeah, would you care to know why I brought up Kevin Cross or Killer Cross? Please. <laughs> Ten minutes ago? Yes. <laughs> I was listening to an interview with him. Um, I I think I had run out of podcasts and I was taking a break from uh, uh, audiobooks. And I said, oh, I want to see what's out there. And something that was uh, uh, referred to me was this interview he had with Chris Van Vliet. And in it, he goes into detail about his sort of end of days um, with the WWE. And uh, from his account, by the way, he seems like an incredibly uh, gentlemanly and professional human being. Yes, I can't tell you if that's the case um, behind the scenes. You would know better, and I don't want you to bury anybody. Well, no, Kevin. Kevin is somebody that I have his phone number. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for him, man. Like he showed up to like a bunch of my birthday parties. You know, like Kevin. Kevin had no business treating me the way that he did, and even during his cauliflower alley. Um, award for future legend. He mentioned me, Remy Marcel, and Mike Modest by basically by name. So he's appreciated. Sure. Well, so he goes into detail about how he he went about his business and the fact that you know they gave him the 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 gimmick with the you know the headgear, you know the gladiator helmet, the the suspenders on the stuff, and and he supposedly according to him uh was game for it like all right let's do it or the fact that he lost he was sort of suffering all these things and fans were letting them know this stinks myself included by the way um and he was game for it because that's what you're sort of trained 
to do, to be professional, to not be that guy that says, no, I'm not doing this stupid shit or whatever. And then, of course, as you and I both know, both he and his wife were uh, let go in unceremonious fashion. Yes. Um, Still unexplained, but Chris Van Vliet presses him for what do you think uh, uh, went wrong? And his his response, I thought, was interesting because it's something that, you know, I've expressed on this show. But he said he he regrets not making a stink. He regrets not going to the boss and going, hey, this is uh, not good or it's not working and we should correct course. And. You know, I just found it interesting because it is a difficult position to be in. You're at the mercy of a person with a pencil and they go, hey, here's a thing. Here's a blue helmet for you to wear. Go out there and make it look good, kid. You know, and what do you do at that point? Do you go, well, this is, you know, hey, I want you to put your hair and dye it red and put it up into a mohawk. You're the the chicken man. Do you go, hey, uh, that ain't going to work? Or do you just go, you got it, boss? Well, I, the, it's, it's the, a tough position to be in. It, it, and there's no really right or wrong answer because the the path that you take is the path that's determined. And who's to say if Kevin said, I'm not doing this, if they didn't just let him go right there, you know, or who's to say they're like, you want to know what? You're a goddamn genius. And we're going to listen to everything that you have to say. Right. Like that's the, the biggest problem. Um, not even just in the industry, man, but just in life in general, because everyone ends up having different responses and reactions towards those they interact with. And that's the big challenge. And maybe you can't even say hindsight's 2020 in that one right. because because there's nothing that makes sense about it. Well, the only thing that makes sense about it is, is that we, man, we said we weren't going to go into the company, man, or the WWE. I didn't but, say that. But, and I, I didn't say it, but we, we've talked off air about trying to steer the, the car in a different direction because it's so fucking frustrating, man. But it's, this company is being ran by people that are obviously tone deaf. This company is being ran by people that are desperately trying to find a way to capitalize on something that they may never be able to capitalize on again. Uh, Can I interject a, please, for a moment? Please. I, I don't necessarily feel that the organization is being run by people who are tone deaf. I feel that the organization are, uh, itself, because it's a publicly traded company, requires people in positions uh, to make major decisions that you and I can't possibly comprehend. So the real, <clears throat> you know, where it's like, hey, it's really for them, it's all about merch. It doesn't matter what happens in the ring. It's like how McDonald's really isn't a cheeseburger company. It's a real estate company. Right. Right. The WWE is kind of that. Um, So it's really about the industry that they're in is not fit for the stock market, for um, creative by community. 
this Friday, April 3rd, tickets will go on sale for Monday Nitro when we come to Indianapolis at the Market Square Arena on Monday, May 4th. Tickets will go on sale this Friday at the box office and Ticketmaster and Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene will be at Karma Records County Line Mall in Greenwood Friday from 10 a.m. till noon, Brain. When tickets go on sale, it'll be a big night in Indy for Nitro. Well, Indianapolis is a great wrestling town. That's where I got my start, and people want to come out to uh, the Market Square Arena, out to Karma, out in Greenwood, to talk about the old days, talk about the new days. Apparently, just talk. Come there's been some complaints over the past eight months that what I've been saying has not been easy to understand because of my excessively large vocabulary and my high level of diction. Well, tonight, I will put what I have to say in terms so clear that everyone, even those of limited intelligence, will know exactly what I mean. Paige, I want you to listen especially close, Paige. Because Paige, you should understand my problems. Because you know about them better than anyone. How I was voted most unpopular in high school. Yeah, okay. How my father never spent time with me. Paige, you were the one that picked me up at the hospital the first time I got out of rehab. You should understand my pain, but you don't. Four years ago, when WCW let you go, they said you would never be anybody. You'd never be a superstar. Who lent you a shoulder to cry on? I did. Raven did. Whenever you had problems of any nature, who listened to you on the telephone nightly? I did. Raven did. But what about me, Paige? What about Raven? What about me? I spent three long years in barbed wire city getting torn to shreds, going through tables, and being hit with frying pans and chairs. But you could have prevented it. You could have stopped it. You could have made one phone call and called in a favor, made a deal, and got Raven into WCW. But you didn't, because you were jealous. You were jealous and you were scared that I would become a bigger star than you. You know, I should have listened to the snake. He said you weren't a true friend. He said you'd turn your back on me when you became a star. He was right. I should have listened. But times are different now. And where once I felt your pain, now you'll feel mine. Quote the Raven, United States champion forevermore. Holy smokes. Does that make sense to you? It, it, it makes sense to me. And, uh, and to be and, fair, you are right. It, it is run by a bunch of knuckleheads, but they're also sort of, you know, they're, they want to make a, a show busy product. They'll push someone with straight teeth and handsome good looks over a guy who's super talented. And, and, and I understand that aspect. But when, when I say things like tone deaf, like not to debate you because there's no point in debating it, but right. the, 
my comments for tone deaf are from what we talked about last episode with Walter, you know, the idea that they, they presented this guy in a specific way. They went as far to get a trademark on a specific name and you can say it's an accident, but it almost seems a little bit too on the nose because this also comes from the same company that had a stable called the Mexi cools and they had psychosis and super crazy and fucking Hooventude Guerrero right out to the ring of fucking lawnmowers, right? Sure. Like, well, they are it, it, the last territory. Like I said, right. the reason why I didn't think TNA was great is because they were doing all the stuff that WWE had already been doing for years. And the WWE, you know, they've kept a lot of the good things from the, the territory era, but they've also kept a handful of the bad things, archetypes and stereotypes and, and things like this they became old and stale and just flat out aged out on what's appropriate. And it took him a while to come around. And I've heard Vince McMahon say in an interview that he doesn't like to be on the cutting edge. He likes to be right behind it. He lets other people make actual innovations. And then he tries to come in and, and capitalize. Uh, that's cute and all, but I don't need you 10 minutes late to the party. You need to have right. your ass there on time. Dumb, dumb. Yes. I completely agreed. Uh, now, uh, I mean, the episode's name is Raven. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your thoughts on good old Scotty Flamingo? Well, I'll say this <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, you know, there's two wrestlers that I've dressed up as in history. Once was Rowdy Roddy Piper for a, a show for a band I was in called Scorchamenza, where, the goal was, I've told this story on the show, but the goal was to uh, strip down to the blue uh, briefs and dive into the audience and start stretching people <laughs> Yes, in, in an attempt to, to, to uh, clear the joint. Uh, and it worked. Uh, the other person <laughs> I dressed up as, and it was for Halloween, was Raven. Because uh, turns out I just had his entire uniform just lying around. Well, it's it, you got you got the the cut up jorts, you got jorts. a flannel, yep, you, flannel. You, got, you, you wrap it around your waist. You got yeah, a band shirt, random band or comic book comic book shirt, shirt with the leather jacket. I definitely had, and because the year prior, I believe I was Paula Poundstone, I had the wig lying around as well. You have to be shitting me! Did you just carry around a box of pop tarts? No, you know what it was was at the time. At the time, I guess it came out in the news that like she was um, she had like adopted daughters or children or something. And uh, it was purported that they were uh, there was reported some sort of possible sexual abuse or whatever. Oh, no, I never um, heard anything about this. Now, here's the thing. I in retrospect, I don't think it's true because she obviously wouldn't be working anymore. And I believe she still makes appearances on the NPR show that only comes on at like nine o'clock Sunday mornings. There you go. I think it's called what is it? Wait, wait, don't tell me. I swear to yes, God. It is wait. Whenever wait, Sunday me. morning rolls around and I think, hey, I got a good idea. I'm gonna go get donuts. I'm like, whoa, Paula Poundstone still working. I can't believe it. <laughs> So my costume was, I had this wig. It's what I called the Jesus Christ Superstar wig. And it was multi-purpose. It was used for Paula Poundstone. It was used for Raven. Um, uh, but basically, I just 
you know, not to be insensitive, I just dress as a lesbian, essentially just a button up shirt with a vest jeans, like mom jeans. And then the icing on the cake was, um, okay. (laughs) First of all, it was a a huge stretch. So I had to get a name tag, the hello, my name is name tag with hello, my name is Paula Poundstone, just so people would go, oh, I get it. The other thing was that I had a bunch of, uh, somebody gave me a bunch of naked Cabbage Patch kids to hang out of my pants. (laughs) Perfect. Anyway, I was a no good piece of shit in the early aughts. And I haven't, (laughs) I haven't changed much, I suppose. But I had that wig lying around and I said, you know what? I'm going as Raven. And, uh, you know, I like Raven. Uh, Raven was a guy who I always used as an example when people would say like, oh, man, the old school way is tired. You can't get away with that in the new school or whatever. And I'd go, oh, yeah. What about Raven? Raven never did any. I don't think his feet ever left a floor. I don't remember him diving off of the top rope all that much. Um uh, he had a lot of uh, garbage matches, but um, he was uh, very obviously skilled on just grappling. And he was an old school cat. You know, he really did that handful of moves. You know, the the sort of, you know, anywhere between five and ten moves. I think James Mattern, uh, comedian James Mattern out of New York and I uh, joked about it that uh, James told me he he heard an interview with uh, Raven where Raven said, I tell these kids to just do uh, five, seven moves. You know, I only ever had five or seven. And one of them was lying in the corner with my arms on the ropes. (laughs) You know, he was such a fantastic character. His promos were fantastic. His wrestling was great. His feuds are memorable. Um, uh, you know, post ECW, I don't know. It, 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 you have to be a pretty hardcore fan to to cite those Ring of Honor feuds, like with CM Punk and stuff. But um, I think you know, if there's any sort of Hall of Fame out there, and there's plenty, he belongs in them. I, I believe, I believe in that too, man. I think that uh, it's funny because Raven, Raven had enough in his skill set. Right to blend in with his move set, and that's something that um, I always surprise people uh, in training, specifically because sometimes I might end up having to do something that I would normally not do in a matchup. And I did the um, the Owen Hart Insiguri uh, with the leg catch and the Insiguri and. Lazarus looked at me and he was like, since when the fuck did you start doing that? And I was like, dude, I've got plenty of things that I can bust out if I have to. But Raven did every now and again, he would leave his feet, but it wasn't anything spectacular. He wasn't like a flyer, but I mean, his finisher, I think was just like a a DDT. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And he 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 was over. He was over hated, hated as cool as he was. He was a cool character, but he can't and he didn't stink up an arena much. He didn't, uh, he got honest booze, yes, which is no, something he, that are pretty hard to come by, even with a smart ECW audience. And he, he always had some pretty crazy ideas. I mean, granted, the crucifixion angle, uh, went over like a fart in church. 
I mean, for an atheist like an atheist yes. like me, it's it's no big deal, uh, right? You know, but, but uh, apparently there, there was, it bothers some people. <laughs> it, it bothers some people enough to where he had to go out in front of the crowd and apologize for it. Like that is saying something. It, it it really is interesting. For Philadelphia fans, you know, for people who don't know, Philadelphia has the most notorious uh, piece of shit fans. Uh, yes. To be real, they they can be. With you, if you're really, if you really got them, you'll have a great show. But man, if you're putting out some weak sauce, it's going to be rough. And I'm not just talking about pro wrestling, football, uh, hockey, baseball, etc. Um, I mean, their football field, as I remember, has a like a prison underneath it. <laughs> They're rowdy. Yes, they're an uncontrollable bunch, and they were part of the magic of ECW. However, they have their good and bad sides because, uh, you know, let's face it, they were very unforgiving. They were so unforgiving that it it made perfect sense that Mick Foley was like, yeah, this is great, and they're making me into a legend and everything, but I'm going to die if I stay here trying to please these fucking assholes. Yep, absolutely. Uh, home of the You Fucked Up chant. Which exactly. Oh, sometimes not just that chant. I mean, she's a crack whore and all that. <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah, she has herpes. Um, I, I there was a there's a mental rolodex that I have, but yes, the the closer we get into the FBI chants, might want to tone those down a little bit. That might offend somebody in today's. Is there a lot age. of like uh, Italian? Um, yes. A, a t- did the word WAP ever get used? Um, I'm sure at some point, but make my pizza was oh. <laughs> normally normally the one that they threw at little Guido. But you know, no. this really proves how much of a terrible person I am, because when you say something, even uh, within context, that's mildly racist, I laugh hysterically. Yes, I understand it's inappropriate. I, I guess that's why I think it's funny. <laughs> Well, make my know, there, pizza. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a moment in time when uh, behavior, not behavior, but uh, jokes like this, the reason why they used them is because they worked. I mean, there was comedians like Andrew Dice Clay that made an entire career off of saying very sexist, very racist, very misogynistic. Like, it, yeah, he. there was people in the world like that. But no, man, Raven was, Raven was definitely one of a kind and he's got a really really good brain if anyone can find any of the secrets of the ring series that he did i highly recommend people watch them um it's something that definitely helped me uh especially with structuring matches uh very insightful stuff oh this is him um giving away the business so to speak Yep, uh, Ring of Honor uh, used to be attached to RF Video, as you know. Oh, Rob I see. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And There's a lot of those out there. There was a there. I mean, talking about piece of shit. Uh, Rob Feinstein did a lot of shoot interviews, mm-hmm. and he did a series that was a five part series with both Raven and Jim Cornette. Yeah, called I've seen Secrets the, of the Ring. Yeah, I've seen the Cornette ones, and it's it's uh, it's an education. Yes, and, and they're they're hard to find. They're not easy to find. But if you're resourceful, hint, hint, wink, wink, you can find them. What's the hint in the winks? In other words, Use what are you hint. saying? YouTube? <laughs> yeah, no, not you. Well, yeah, some of them might be on YouTube. Cornets, cornets are on YouTube. 
there's a there's p2p trackers that you can find that have that have that stuff what's that that sounds like a steroid p2p <laughs> no. tracker are you on p2p Pure, trackers i'm not on p2p trackers so <laughs> um no i uh i it's a torrent site oh i see yeah you know that i've never stolen any music or videos or anything i've always fought them does that make me crazy because it seems like everyone else has done something i don't think that it makes you crazy but i on the other hand uh to not necessarily go on public record but there's there's got to be a preservation of dead media because at some point in time when a distributor stops selling something and at some point in time when you don't actually own anything physically anymore and when vhs tapes start to rot and dicks discs start to rot you have to be don't act like you didn't just say dicks i did say dicks when dicks start to rot (laughs) you have to be able to preserve these bits of media and i've always viewed myself as i'm not i never take anything that is brand new right but if at some point in time we've talked about it with video games before man like i've bought street fighter 2 so many times if i want to download that and play that on my computer i feel like i have the right to download it and play it on my computer ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome a man who calls heat his personal playground please welcome raven was able to get the win over Zelo, although it was by distracting the ref and getting a low blow before he hit the Raven effect. But you know what? This guy's still not happy, and I personally have never seen him smile, and I've also never seen him shut up. Anyways, he's been talking about this masterpiece I've been losing sleep over, and maybe Coach is going to find out a little bit more about what it is. Last week, you made a a very cryptic mention of your pieces coming together and that it was time for your masterpiece to begin. Would you care to explain? For two years, I've languished in this company and watched opportunities that a man of my skill and intellect deserve be given to others, other superstars, because they were more of a friendly image. I've been treated like an outcast. I've been treated like an unwanted child. I've been treated like a depraved embarrassment. For two years, I resisted the temptation to lash out in a rage. I resisted the temptation to quit the WWE entirely. I didn't, coach. I didn't because I have a statement to make. A statement I will reveal in upcoming weeks. A statement that will expose the hypocrisy that chokes the... A statement that chokes the WWE and society itself. Society! 
has been seduced by depravity. And you people have responded with all the chastity of a $3 tramp. Huh? I see the way you people look at me. You look down your nose at me because I'm different, because I dress different. Certainly Raven's not at a loss for words. Well, it's time I showed you people that I'm not depraved. It's you people. This interview's over, coach. Well, speaking of video games, um, I think the WWE this week, maybe in the past two weeks, they revealed um, that uh, WWE 2K22, I think that's the t- title of it. It is. It's has been revealed there's going to be over 100 superstars and Rey Mysterio is on the cover of it. And um, <clears throat> I think it was two years ago. I don't think they put out uh, uh, whatever last year's version of it would be because the year before that, was buggy and busted and looked like ass. There was no new improvements. And I can tell you, because I've played a lot of these things, you know, I went through a pretty serious stretch where I bought one every other year of the WWE games. And even every other year, there was no real major changes. It was just like, well, here's the latest roster, which roster update, which you can basically download anyway um, from their, community function um really they would just give the menu a new coat of skin uh yeah which was crazy but it really came to a head with that i think it was 2k20 that came out and it was it was bad i mean it was I broken it, yeah it, i think ign gave it a, like a really like it gave, said it was unplayable Yep, and when it first launched, it was, and there was some updates to patch it, but even then, the game was still ridiculously flawed. And I think that, that something like that had to happen in order for them to go back to square one. And if you think about the old days of wrestling games that weren't yearly releases, right? So you had... WCW versus NWO World Tour, and that game lasted for a couple of years. And then you move past that into Revenge. And then once they got the WWF license with WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy, that was those weren't necessarily yearly titles. There was a period of time that stretched out before they made a new entry. And well, each be- entry improved. It was before the business model was created by Madden. Yes. Madden became a huge success where they can release a new game, basically the same game with a, a few minor changes every year, and people would pay for it for just those minor changes. Uh um, as well as you know, it would be something like here's a new tackling animation and here's a new roster, and that's enough for football fans to want to buy it, not video game fans. But football, football fans, fans, that's that's the key thing. That's why, you know, if you ever see like some sort of beloved franchise, go to EA, who who uh, produces all these sports games. It's bad news because it's like, oh, my God, because they cannot do the they cannot have the same business model with video game fans 
than they can with football and basketball and et cetera, et cetera. But this business model has been in place for all of every sort of sporting franchise in video game form. And the WWE wanted to get in on that and they sure as shit did. And you get a WWE title every year and it's the same damn thing to the point where, you know, wow, it's, it's really kind of boring because there's been no new innovations in seemingly two decades, which once again, write this down on paper and send it to Vince McMahon, please. Right. And so there's a lot of promises with this new title. So, and we'll see what happens. What are the promises? I haven't heard. uh, Reworked game engine, Mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature. Like visually the game does look far more impressive because it's also running on next generation hardware you know, compared to previous generation, um, there's they're bringing back GM mode, which is supposed to be a really big deal. That was a a big thing for people that enjoyed SmackDown versus Raw. I believe was where GM mode GM mode was on it. I remember playing it. Yeah. yeah. So there's a they're really trying to listen to the community with the outcry of like, please stop doing this to us and <laughs> they would have kept doing it if it, if they didn't uh cyberpunk the release of wwe 2k20 yeah and you know and that's the uh speaking of which too man like i'm super excited for the aew game because if there's one thing that kenny omega is it's a nerd yeah right and i mean that in a very positive way Sure. Right, uh, um, that plays video games. Same a lot. Thing with, yep, same thing with Aubrey Edwards. And when you ask people that are in the industry what their favorite wrestling games are, they're going to tell you uh, No Mercy. They're going to tell you Virtual Pro Wrestling Two. Right? They're going to tell you Fire Pro Wrestling. So you have these people that. Which I don't necessarily understand. I got to be quite honest with you. Right. That is well, normally it across the board. People always say, No Mercy had the best engine. And um, I remember playing that game, but I don't remember much about it. And I don't know. It, part of me wonders like, is this going to be some sort of throw, you know, their new game? Is it going to be some sort of throwback to some old? engine hopefully there's some improvements on it well so from the gameplay footage that they've been showing it looks like it's going to be very similar to smackdown here comes the paint i haven't seen much gameplay footage yeah there, there's a little bit out there and the the sim the, the um the videos seem to be emulating that and for me uh who i i still go back and play virtual pro wrestling 2 to this day Uh, I don't remember that at all. So that was the Japanese version of WrestleMania 2000 or No Mercy. So it was the Aki Corporation had released two games in Japan. One was Virtual Pro Wrestling, and that ended up becoming the English translation for WCW versus NWO World Tour. And then... um, WrestleMania 2000 came out in the States and then eventually Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 came out, which was an all Japan pro wrestling licensed N64 Aki engine game. Mm -hmm. And that it's got an actual shoot fighting mode engine in the game. So there, 
the if you which turn I wonder game, who 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 asked for that. Um, Japanese wrestling fans, because you got to remember, man, like at yeah. that period of time, UWFI was still popular, right? right? But it's like, like with uh, um, Christ, what's the game you're playing now? Fire, Fire Pro, Pro. Yes. Fire Pro Wrestling World. You know, you can have uh, these normal matches or these sort of exploding barbed wire death matches, or you can have a shoot fight. And it's like, I don't want to see a shoot fight, <laughs> right? Well, and that's the thing is, is that like Japan has kind of embraced any type of combat sport that transpires in a ring. Do they right? still though? So, that's what I'm wondering. They, 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 yes, you don't see. Abs- I mean, New Japan has really backed off of that stuff, obviously, since the '90s or whatever. They have, but all Japanese wrestling games have some form of mixed martial arts representation in them because of the cultural significance of MMA and pro wrestling in Japanese culture. Right. Uh, Every Japanese wrestling game, at least from, I'd say, the PlayStation 1 to when they stopped making Japanese wrestling games, like for the PlayStation 2. Um, And also even... uh, Wrestle Kingdom came out for Xbox 360, and I'm pretty sure that there's some mixed martial arts representation on that too. Well, what good games are out there right now? I know you love Fire Pro, but I feel like a game developer when I play it. Right. I mean, I and don't it, technically don't even play it because I spend yep. seemingly hours building a roster uh, by either creating or downloading creations that other people in the community have created. And then by the time I'm done, I just go, I'll let the computer fight itself. I, I don't even want to play at this point. Yeah. And and that's the thing is for me, I'm actually cool with that because I like to be able to go through. I told you about the project that I do. I find a roster and I download everyone for that roster. And then I play matches for the titles and stuff like that. And I do tournaments and things like that. So I like the ability to, and for the PlayStation 4, you get locked out of how much you can download for the computer, you can download whatever you want. Right. So like I've got, I've got over 8,000 edit part items on my fire pro load up for PC. Um, but something I'm playing now currently, as far as wrestling games go, as I'm going back in time and I started playing all-star pro wrestling three, which was a wrestling game that was created by Squaresoft. Mm, Final yes. fantasy. Yes, sir. So and it, it's um the game was released i believe in 2003 ish and it's got a pretty unique game engine um slightly frustrating when you first start to play it but it can it can smooth itself out and i always go back to playing king of coliseum 2 which was on the playstation 2 as well and that has got to be that that's the closest thing to a wrestling video game simulator that i've ever played So what do we have? What do we have to look forward to with AEW? When is their games proposed? When are they proposing that it might come out? Twenty twenty three. That's what I love is that they have not announced a date yet. They this game, it, it ain't coming out tomorrow, which is right. great. You know they're they're going to take the time to the thing that made Virtual Pro Wrestling two so interesting is that there was animations in the game that were lifted from historic moments in pro wrestling, right? 
there the animation when you ram somebody's head into the turnbuckle from the apron was actually taken from randy savage versus tenreyu right like the amount of attention and detail that went to virtual pro wrestling too was a love letter to wrestling fans right and anyone that's actually spent enough time with these games knows that mm-hmm. and that's why i'm super stoked because when that game comes out that's going to be an experience did you know that there's actual professional wrestling uh, tabletop role-playing games? Yes, I do. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Judah Matthew, uh, was he picked up a wrestling card game. And I, I have my own card for... Oh, that's uh, a card game. I've seen card games. No, I'm talking about yeah. like Dungeons & Dragons style. Like you create a character, yeah. you go through your whole fucking career, but you're rolling dice. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, Phil Singer Games, uh, Champions of the Galaxy is one of the very first ones that I remember off the top of my head. Uh, my buddy James Freeman, who does the Six Man Tag Podcast, he actually has worked with plenty of those companies that do the tabletop wrestling games. Yeah, we did talk uh, briefly about it. Well, let's play one. Yeah, I'm down. What do you got one? Yeah, sure. I'll make it up right here now. Uh, let's see. I got some dice somewhere. Hold on. Here it is. See, here we go. Got uh, some twenty-sided things here. This should tell you about me, folks. I got some. <laughs> All right, we'll do. We'll use Iron Sworn rules. Oh shit! I dropped one. <laughs> Where'd it go? Oh shit! All right, now you got to come. We're going to do a little character creation here. Here we go. You can't be Cutthroat Cody. You're going to have to be. The Sheik, Muhammad, something stereotypical. Okay, Muhammad stereotype. <laughs> you lose. I had it all. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by Timothy Styles and Cody Hancock with web production and music provided by Timothy Styles. For more information, go to turnbuckleboogie.com. And for booking information on Cutthroat Cody Hancock, go to cutthroatcody.com. See you next Monday.